Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this league, Podcast Network presents... Prospect One. The Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. With your host, Chris Wells. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. I'm your host, Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh and at InThisLeague.com, where my universe lives. It is the ITL in this league, Patreon, where you can sign up and get access to the prospect ranks, the dynasty ranks, everything I do in this world. You can get in the group me rooms. We have an awesome Prospect One room with really smart people. You can get access to me, them, people set leagues. It's a way to upgrade your fantasy experience and the ancillary benefit to it all you are supporting my work. It allows me to go out to complex games. It allows me to spend time in the Arizona Fall League, spring training, and maybe give you different perspectives. It's a lot of opinions, a lot of stuff. People that listen, I still appreciate that you value whatever I have to say in some capacity, and you are helping to that. It's people's podcast, man. So thank you so much. Inthisleague.com, if you want to support, get, or upgrade your fantasy life, go and check it out today. Today on the episode, we're talking about rank changes. I think that's the best way to approach some of those first episodes in a month because I have updated my newest ranks, top 500 prospects. Dynasty are going to be updated probably by the time you're listening to this. I just needed to wait and I didn't want to halt the prospect stuff in favor of the Dynasty, so I posted that up. We're going to be talking about the biggest movers. First year player changes I've made. We've got the biggest movers up and down in the top 500. And then some of the, you know, like outside the top 100, outside the top 200, just this is going to be a big focal point on the guys that made big moves on the ranks because there was a lot, a lot of additions, a lot of guys that were moving up. We're obviously getting towards the end of the year. So like sample sizes make a whole bunch more sense. I always kind of get, I get like on the fence about some guys. There's actually a player that I was on the fence about in this update and then I didn't do it. And then I heard some secondary positive reports that I wanted to put him on. So sometimes I just get on the fence about it, you know, and to the credit of, you know, some other people that make what sometimes I think are reactionary um, ranks where you throw a guy up. The important thing is to just let you guys know about these players, but we all play in so many different leagues. It's like, you know, the seven, 800 prospects or whatever, you guys need to be on it like that. That's where that helps. When you're in like two to 300 Sometimes some of these guys that we get really enamored with, we're like, oh, check this guy out. They don't qualify in that. And I think that's what, I think that's part of the problem. When we get into a state of like, we're sleeping on this guy and we need to pay attention to this guy. It is important to talk about the context of how much and how significant and what type of league. So, you know, feel free to always ask on those. And, you know, I have kind of started to dedicate the bottom end of my top 500 to uh, some of those shots, you know, some players that maybe are going to take big rises, players that are starting to pop up, more speculative ads. There are players from time to time that just get pushed down that I don't want to quite go away. 
you know, because there are plenty of time, you know, here's a perfect example of somebody. I can tell you this guy right now. He's actually not old. So that's, what's funny about it. But Yanier is with the twins, only 23 years old. He has had a prospect up and down career. You know, he was like the sleeper to the nothing burger. So he's, he's kind of in the, you know, what we'd call like a post hype sleeper at this point. Uh, Yanier spelled like junior, but with a Y junior, however you say it, junior Severino having a fantastic year, 25 homers, 283 batting average over 900 OPS, a couple stolen bases, 99 hits on the year. Yanier was originally with the Braves. 286 rookie uh, league ball, couple homers, fine. Goes to Minnesota 2018, hits 263, eight homers. We're starting to pick back up, kind of low K rates. We're into it. Well, over as a little bit more time passes, he's really kind of hugging levels. Um, the strikeout rate goes up. In 2019, in A ball, it hits over 31%. Power kind of disappears. He just became kind of a nothing prospect. He was a 17-year-old who had 286 in rookie ball with the A's. That got people excited. He po- he boosted up. Then multiple poorish years, even though there was some talent there, got him dropped off and he was just gone. Uh, 2022, went through two levels, had 19 homers. I think it was like a 278 batting average. Pretty good. Kind of gets back on the scene. My point of this is... The bullishness of not... Now, there was a time period where Yanir did come off, but he definitely stayed on the list for some time, where the bullishness of holding on to some of these guys, at least in your mind or in the back end that might be getting closer, has a sense of a payoff. You know, we get these guys that have these late runs, double A, triple A, they kind of find themselves, and all of a sudden, you know, they're a late blooming, hey, who is this guy again? And kind of not just having the one formula of I will only put speculative ads, you know, from 350 to 500. Uh, I don't want to stick to that because I think there are guys that deserve it. So, you know, Severino would be one of those players that you could argue either should get a way big boost or he's still not there because of, you know, multiple years of it not working. And there's also this bigger argument I've been having with Eno, not an argument, a conversation about how some are saying you really have to maybe take a step back at AAA numbers this year because of the pitching quality. There's a lot of guys, the high-end guys that are, and in AA a little bit, that have moved up you know, into the majors and the quality is maybe moving. Yonier just went to AAA and he did most of his damage in AA this year, but it was a really poor strikeout rate at 30, uh, 31%. That's been the problem. Dropped it down in AAA a little bit. So then, you know, 23%, but it's only a couple games. My point of all this is to say, like, to have one formula is not necessarily the way. This still may not be the way, but he's put up big, gaudy numbers this year and keeping him floating around a list, even when it's with 17 and 18 year old players, just kind of keeps them top of mind. So that was someone that I thought of that I think a bigger reaction for a lot of people is just like, he's gone. He doesn't exist anymore. But I keep these guys, even if you don't see them, I keep them on my list so I can continue kind of monitoring, watching. And he's one of those guys that just mixed in with a bunch of like young players. So the crux of everything we're going to do here is we're going to be looking at the ups and downs, mainly on the prospect list. And I think that will be enjoyable. But this episode is brought to you by Sidsgraphs. Yes, Dennis Sidler. Find him over at Sidsgraphs.com, the eBay store where Corbin Carroll items are now available from the signing that I attended. Coming up in the very near future, Chase Meadroth. Now that's going to have the Scout the Stat Line guys excited. He's doing a signing with him and P. 
Pete Crow Armstrong, a new addition to the top uh, top ten overall list. Pete Crow has been having quite the year. It might be in the major, so we were joking about this. Like Dennis might be having a signing with him, and then bam, he's going to be up in the majors. Those are two signings that are coming up. His exclusive client list is robust. So go and check it out. You can check out the website, sidsgraphs.com, the eBay store if you want to pick it out and follow him uh, on all the socials, sidsgraphs. You can do that today. And Dennis was very kind, as most of you know, to invite me to the Corbin Carroll signing, which was a blast. And I know I've talked a bunch about it. I do want to mention one thing. I don't want to create a bunch of overlap. I will just say again at the top, like, Corbin's such a great guy. I think he was like one of the only guys to really ever do this with Dennis over all his years. He brought his kids like some shirts and an all-star game hat, which was so unique. He was very engaging, talking the whole time. There were a couple interesting takeaways, though. One of them had to do with when, because we talked about lots of stuff. You know, we talked about baseball and we were talking about, um, you know, his regimen. Uh, it seems like he's definitely got something locked in. He's already a leader. He was talking about how he takes out the young guys to dinner. And it's like, dude, you're... You're still a rookie and you're doing that. But uh, we talked about the MLB draft and I kind of got a confirmation on something. We were talking about a few of the players. Uh, we had mentioned that Dennis and I were going to see Drew Jones later and he was talking. He was like, oh man, we got to get Drew out there. He's just been hampered by injuries. He, he was feeling it for Drew. But we were talking about the draft because Gino Grover was playing in that game. And I had mentioned, I said, man, you guys got somebody that I really, really like uh, named Gino Grover. And he really popped on the analytical side and uh, Corbin kind of popped up. He said, yeah, the team actually had kind of made a change this year in their draft approach. And this is something I've been talking about that after the draft, I felt that the Diamondbacks had really honed in on like an analytical approach to the draft, because I've mentioned before, like Jack Hurley, Gino and Tommy Troy were three players that really popped on. I, I got this college um, advanced data sheet of, you know, the like contact percentage in the zone, outside the zone, um, a hard hit, average, all that type of stuff, barrel. And uh, Gino Hurley and Tommy Troy were like near the top. Uh, Gino had one of the highest average EVs I saw of any of the college hitters, I think, outside of Dylan Cruz and the Max EV. And I was like, you know, Gino is someone that I really like. He really popped on the analytical side. And he said, yeah, what he garnered was that they went away from what they hadn't been doing for years and really their approach with him in taking kind of like twitchier, more athletic based players, call it raw or whatever you want, but you know, taking that more athletic based approach and that he acknowledged that they went in a different direction this year which was clearly implying that they went heavy analytics. You know, they were looking at the underlying numbers in the players that they were choosing. And it's pretty apparent when you look at guys like, uh, like I said, like Hurley and Gino. What'll be interesting is I didn't have the data on like Caden Grice, who they took, who's a college pitcher who's working out here, what this is going to look like for the rest of the dudes. So um, that was an interesting confirmation, which also does the side thing, if you're not picking up, the guy loves baseball. His involvement in understanding the organization was really cool. The other one I think people, uh, anybody who's into collecting and stuff will dig is Corbin told us that he is collecting cards now. <laughs> He's into collecting and breaking cards, actually getting cases. Um, it, it was cool. One of the things that he acknowledged with it too is I think there's definitely a lot of players. Card collecting is so much more prevalent than you would expect with players nowadays. Uh, I think 
some of it is from an investment standpoint. You get a great card, uh, especially these guys with money. You go and get it slabbed on PSA, and then you kind of save it. But he also kind of had an approach where like, he wanted to get a case to like in his draft year, but not to pull himself, but he wanted to pull like people he knew. And he, he mentioned how he got a to 50 George Kirby and he had George sign it, which I was like, that's hilarious. And then one in carefully talking about it, he also pulled like a very big name player and joked about getting Evan Longoria to talk to someone on that team to then get this player to sign that car. Like I thought that it was very, uh, it was very personable. It was very relatable in it. He enjoyed the breaking. Evan Longoria is a big card guy and kind of got him into it. And uh, he did confirm though that he had got a case of tops Chrome and he did pull an auto of himself. Won't tell you what his plans are with it, but it, I thought it was very funny, but he was, he was also very engaged in the cards that were there. Cause he was doing, you know, baseballs and bats and he's talking and it, the whole time it was very impressive, but he was very engaged in specific cards that he was seeing like, Oh, this card is coming out and Oh, I saw a card like this and I love this one. And actually one in particular that I had for him was it's called the uh, home field advantage by tops. It's a rookie card. It's kind of like a special case insert, but it's got like, it's very Arizona based. It's got like an Arizona, um, a sign and cactus on it and a hot air balloon. And he was like enamored with that card. And he was like, Whoa. And he was, he stopped and he's like, I don't know where should I sign this? So they like put it aside and he left it as the very last card he was going to sign. He took his time with it, found the perfect spot, put his number. It, it was just, it's all these little things that, you know, I, none of it helps in like necessarily fantasy, but what I can tell you is it's very encouraging when you see a player like that, engaged in the game, engaged in people, engaged in improvement. And that's what he is. You know, he's already a leader on that team. He's already looking at all the outside baseball things. He, he understands, you know, his optimism. He talked about, you know, days off that he goes in and has a recovery doctor that he's working with, uh, the way he eats very healthy. Yeah. It just, it, it was a fun experience. And then of course it led to the picture, <laughs> the me and him picture which is still funny to this moment, sharing it online. And I would suggest check out uh, Leading Off on Fantasy Pros. We're going to do some funny stuff with that picture. That uh, One of the weirdest things that came out of it, though, I didn't expect, you know, because Corbin has gotten, you know, bigger and, you know, more muscular and stuff like that. So there's less of a discrepancy because I'm a, I'm a big dude, you know, close to six foot four, a lot more weight than him. But um, I don't see any of it. But I had like three, four, five people be like, you guys look like you could be brothers. And I was like, really? I mean, that's a compliment to me. That's not a compliment to Corbin. That's an insult to Corbin. I was like, okay, I didn't see that. But 99% of people were nice in putting that photo out with my ridiculous smile. But yes, I had a great time. A great time learning more about him. Um, oh, this is the other thing I'll share. I don't know if I shared this anywhere. We asked him about the the tough, I think I maybe said this one place, but uh, the toughest pitcher that he had faced. What's interesting about that is last year, I believe in November, Dennis asked him this question. And I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but the answer that he said was Abner Uribe was one of the nastiest pitchers he'd ever seen. And Abner Uribe is now with the Brewers, relief pitcher, nutty movement can hit triple digits, kind of a, a manual class, a school of insane velocity and movement. 
and he had said Abner Uribe. So we asked him this question, and his first immediate response was just like, Strider's been, I won't say what he said, but he was like, Strider's been tough. But the one he threw out, and he and he gave the caveat, and he was like, well, this guy's re- stats haven't looked great, but Mitch Keller is nasty. He said, Mitch Keller is such a tough pitcher to face because there's five pitches that he's throwing in your face. It's not like two and then a little bit of one. It's five pitches that are coming at you at any time. And he was a really rough one. And there were rumors also about him being traded. So that one hurt as a Dimeback fan if the Dimebacks could have got Mitch Keller. But uh, experience with Corbin Carroll, me and him are now best friends. We're tied forever. And we'll be uh, maybe doing some Corbin Carroll stuff here in the near future on uh, ITL Patreon. We're going to do a little bit of giveaway. Uh, going to do some raffle stuff in here. And uh, you guys can check out all the other cool stuff over at Sid's Graph. So I had a blast with my experience with Corbin. And thank you guys for all sharing and, you know, being cool and having fun with the whole situation and not being, not being mean. Even though some of you were like, Corbin, blink twice if you need help. He didn't need help. He was good. He was all good. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. We come back, we're going to talk about all the rank movers and little AFL note I got at the end of the show for you. We'll talk about some news going down in the AFL. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with rank changes right here on Prospect One. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus say i like you i like you so much i'm gonna make you my partner all you have to do is find the gold and i'll share it with you 50 50 prospect one so the latest ranks are available in this league.com uh, dynasty tab just isn't filled out. It's got all the other stuff. I have the ranks by position, by team, by overall. We got the uh, first year player ranks that are up. I think I posted 75 or 85 deep on that. And by the end of the season, we'll probably be near a hundred. I put those, I already, you know, I organize them not only in the overall, but I present them to you like it's a draft. So you can see, this is what the f- top 15 players are. That's your first round, the next 15. So you can not only see that this guy is 64th, but you can see that this guy is in the fifth round of a 15-teamer. So I always found that more helpful. That's just me personally. Um, but we will go, we'll probably at least have six rounds, maybe seven rounds deep into the next update. You know, as we're building these guys and seeing these guys, I'm seeing a ton of these guys. Gino is another guy that I just got to see. He was in the Drew Jones game. I will tell you, uh, I saw Drew just hit. You want to talk about rank update, guys? I did move him down. I don't think I actually brought him into this episode. I probably should have because it's impactful. I brought Drew down. I don't want to bring Drew down. I don't want to be wrong. I'm already wrong about Holiday versus Drew. So there's the L you already have to take. 
I don't want to be wrong that Drew can't fix this because it's way too early. You know, he's a young dude, not even 20 years old. The problem is, is like, you're almost a year of just absolutely wasted trash of, of production. You know what I'm saying? Now, Jordan Lawler had that. Uh, Corbin Carroll had that. But Drew has proven nothing really in it. And there's some bad, I've heard some reports, some reports from some high-ranking people that have given some really concerning bad grades to the hit tool. And that is where we're starting to go down. But unlike, I have absolutely no idea where anybody else has him ranked. God's truth. I haven't looked. I have no clue where one single person has him in the ranks. I will guess every single one of them have them have him lower than me because that is the market current value on him. I moved him down and I moved him down significant to where he was. He's still in the top 50, still in the top 30 for me, but we're looking for improvement in this last start. I'm actually going to be doing this shortly. I have video from him like from two months ago. I felt like his swing has already taken a third change. It was in high school. Somebody noted this in uh, the video I posted because I have a hit of him from the other day that he was a lot more upright and just like upright arms were a little bit higher legs were in. When I saw him start hitting in the beginning of this year, he, his body motion was very low. Legs were spread. Knees were in bat was tilted very high up with the hands kind of high. Like the bat wasn't moving. It was straight up. And then he would explode on the ball. The problem that he had is he seemed kind of late on everything. So every every swing through, it was like ground ball, ground ball. So this recent appearance, I did notice something different. His, his knees are not buckled in anymore. And the left leg seems to be going um, outside the body in a kind of like a Jim Tomei-like thing. You know, it's, he's coming on the outside. And then when he injects his body in to go on the ball... Um, the leg comes back forward as it should. The, the weird thing though, that's in the new swing is there's a hitch. You'll see it in the video. If you watch on my Twitter, is it the Welsh where his body, you know how like a guy will have the timing mechanism, the leg will come up, they'll kind of explode and they move on the ball. His body goes, it clicks like down and up, but not in a, in a, in a, in a even motion. It clicks up and down. And then he waits to explode on the ball. Like what I'm getting at is that's usually a part of the swinging motion. It seems to happen before the ball is coming out or before his body goes in motion. It's weird. And somebody thought they're like, oh, that seems like a two strike approach. Nope. I have the video of it. It was every single pitch he did this and I hated it. But in the video I got, he hit a triple insane bat speed though. I'll tell you that the bat speed is bonkers. And he didn't even get, I, th- I felt like really good contact. It did barrel and he barreled to the side and his bat speed. So explosive, he crushed his thing to opposite field. It hit the wall, could have been a Homer and he flew to third base. So the speed is there, even though he's been dealing with injuries, the bat speed is absolutely there. He, this new swing seems to be maybe a little bit more targeted to get the ball in the air, but the pitch recognition is off and this hitch thing, I in the same speak, I'm telling you, I have this great video of this triple. I've got a strikeout where it was ugly. It looked re, it looked uglier than usual. That he's just still kind of an offensive mess, but he's fast as hell. He's got pure raw power. He is maybe defensively ready right now, but he has not been able to stay healthy, and the pitch recognition looks ugly. So what does that mean? You know, the investment is low. His arrow is down. 
He's going to be cheaper. In, I can promise you this. His value is going to keep going lower this offseason. People are going to look at the numbers. People, there might be like, you know, might get a few other little chirps about what's been going on with him. And he's going to drop lower. And maybe that's where it's deserved. But at the same token, like everybody was like, oh, Tamar Johnson is a bust. Tamar stinks. You know, he's not hitting in rookie. He's not hitting in A ball. And then he's all of a sudden just absolutely turned it on. Drew has not had any momentum to turn it on this year. And that's partially part of the value you have to get into. So I'm not advocating that Drew is going to become the number one prospect anymore. I think there are insane worries about his offense right now. But the tools are still there. He's missed so much time that I do think you're going to be silly if you completely give up on him. I'm not going to say you're silly if you have him outside the top 50. But if you start putting him outside the top 100, I think you're just not giving time to develop. And I think we're we're getting into a decent time where the buy on him is going to look good. I'm going to buy back in on him, even though the hit tool is a problem. One full season of professional ball with a professional offseason where you're, quote, healthy, I think is key for him. And we can see massive swing changes in an injury time that I think is holding him back. And I'm hoping it's going to change. He also has gotten bigger and stuff. So that was that was one I didn't actually plan to talk to you about uh, because I'm talking about first-year player. Gino Grover was one of those guys that I did get to see, and he was very, very impressive, by the way. Hands stay inside, explodes on the ball, big physical body, big hard hit stuff. I just want to reiterate again, that is one of my guys. When we're talking about first-year player, that's my guy. I will plant my flag. That's a guy that I have to have. Now, I've made a decent amount of changes because... I have seen a lot of these players recently. Huge influx. College, high school guys coming through the complex. College guys don't stay for long, but I've had pretty good knack of catching almost all of them for at least a game. Mike Bovey's one of those guys. I didn't actually list him here. My, most of my criteria for the most part was like 50 spots or higher on the overall list and significant movement on the first year player. But Mike Bovey with the Brewers is one of those guys. He's just been smashing homers left and right. Great hit tool uh, out of Nebraska, Omaha. Went up to A-ball, hit another homer. That's one of those guys like I got to see here for a little bit. So here are the first-year players of significance that I've been moving. Number one is I moved Chase Davis down a little bit. Davis has been struggling. Do we kill him for that? No. Do I put him over where Matt Shaw and Tommy Troy look really good right now? No. So that's a move I did make. I love Chase Davis. I was probably higher than most on him. I think me and James or me and Eric, I'm not sure which one. One of those guys was kind of with me on that train. He's only hitting 239. He went straight to single A. He does have a 400 OBP, which is pretty nice. 10 RBIs, no homers, no stolen bases. The stolen base thing not happening still. That's a little bit worrisome. Where Matt, Sean, Tommy, Troy are both going to steal bases. So it wasn't a significant overall move because I still love him. I just moved him under Matt Shaw and Tommy Troy. So that went from six to eight, I think is where I moved him. The only pitcher that made a significant move is Hurston Waldrop. Okay, we're good. We're good. We buy in. A ball, he had one start, struck out eight in three innings, walked one, looks phenomenal. The Braves are going to push. I mean, the dude is older than AJ Smith Shaver. So, you know, how the Braves work, he could be up next week. Hurston Waldrop looked really good. That splitter's nasty. He's a strikeout pitcher already. He's at high A is where the push was. He he went to low A. He's now at high A after one start. There's still a lot to be seen, but Waldrop essentially has taken over the dream of where uh, Chase Delander, if he had gone to a good destination, was. So I have him just outside the top 100, 
but I moved him some significant spots in the first year player. And he is a guy to pay attention to. I mean, again, if he's right outside the top 100, he's essentially like a first round guy in points leagues. I'd move him up. I could, you could argue he's the most prolific strikeout pitcher outside of Skeens in this draft. If you want to make that bet from a pitching standpoint, command can be issues. And as he moves up and hitters are a little bit you know, more careful, that's what I worry about. But you want to take that bet, go for it. Louder's more command, which I kind of dig. And I think Noble Meyer's ceiling is massively enormous. But you know, Hurston Waldrop is a guy that is probably going to see the majors near the same level as Paul Skeens. So I moved him up a significant amount. Uh, let me look and see. I am telling you guys like how I moved them significantly. But Waldrop is now... 14 on my first year player. I have been ranking some of the pitchers a little bit higher, um, but he is 14 on the list right now. So that was quite a quite a few spots move up uh, from the pitcher spot. Uh, I moved both of the Mariners guys, Ty Pete and Cold Emerson up. I moved Ty Pete up more than Emerson, but Emerson had a homer, I think, in his first at bat or his very first game. I've seen both of them, talked to both of them. I think Ty Pete is the most physically impressive He's hitting 286 so far. He's got a couple hits, only seven at-bats. He's already gotten a stolen base. They're not playing those two together in complex. I can tell you that, though. That is a weird thing. It's not weird because they're both shortstops, but they're not even like, you know, having Emerson play second when Ty Pete's out there. Those guys literally play on opposite days. But so far, Emerson in eight at-bats, a homer, and two doubles. That's a positive. I kind of thought his offense might lack... He just makes a ton of contact in the Cole Young way. Emerson might be the floor player here with good upside, where Ty Pete, I think, has like a I think it's a really high ceiling because I think this guy is tooled out. I think he's the one that could tap into more advanced power than any of the draft guys besides Ben Williamson. And I think he's gonna steal bases. I think he could be a 2020 guy. Where Cole Emerson, I think I envision him more like a 15-15 guy with higher batting average. But, you know, I don't know. Two doubles, a homer, eight at-bats. That's really impressive. So both of those guys have looked good. Emerson's kind of locking in his area where Ty Pete's moving up. A guy that I have sandwiched between them, though, is Cooper Pratt. Now, Cooper Pratt, I guess I was just sleeping on mid-draft until I got to see him. Moved him up a ton of overall spots, like near 100. And I put him between those two guys because he has been so good. Six foot four, six foot four, 200 frame. Uh, watch multiple games, has a stolen base, seven hits, hitting over 400 with an over 900 OPS, has put a double up, two walks to three strikeouts, five RBIs, strong contact. Go and look at my Twitter. I've got some video of him. I really love the skill sets. Uh, surprisingly, the Brewers. Maybe it was just complex in general, but you know, you look at him. I also have Eric Batanti, who is there as well. He is physically impressive. I moved him up a bunch of spots. He's lower than Cooper Pratt, but Batanti is the guy that has all the physical excitement of being like a future first baseman that hits 35 homers. If the hit tool continues to go, I think he might be a little bit more raw. He signed, I think, for maybe not more than Pratt, but he signed for a decent amount. He was in the third round. He's hitting 278 with two homers out here so far. So, you know, he's he's heating the call. Strikeouts are a little bit heavier. I've got him a few spots lower where Cooper Pratt is moving into more an advanced spot. Like Cooper Pratt has established himself essentially into like right at the second round of first year players where Batanti, yeah, you could make arguments, but Batanti's like at the beginning of the fourth. He'll probably settle into the third if he continues to go. And then Bovi, you know, is kind of like maybe, I mean, I 
value those guys a little bit over Bovey, but he's hitting a ton. Uh, other guys, George Wolko, huge physical dude. I moved him up a ton of spots. I had him really low. Uh, he's 17 years old. There's an insane double he hit on my timeline. So go and check out Is It The Welsh on Twitter. But he's having a lot more contact issues than a guy like um, Batanti. Uh, so George Wolko, he has moved up a decent amount. Ben Williamson is another one. I don't know how many people had said this before. I've been saying this to a few, but Ben Williamson reminded me of like just Josh Young light. You know, he's coming for, I think he was, he was the undersigned so they could get, you know, type heat and Emerson, but dude hit a triple. When I saw him hit a triple, I think in his first a ball game, he has a similar stance and batting approach. He can kind of fly. Uh, ben Williamson's pretty impressive. So that's another one of those guys that just, I think he's a little capped on the ceiling but if he starts to turn into more Josh Young, he's going to keep going. Uh, Cole Carrig, I talked to you guys about. He moved up like 200 spots on my overall list because of how impressive he was. Not just playing catcher, he's playing other spots. He's hitting 375 out here in complex. Three stolen bases, a homer, five doubles. So six of his 12 hits are extra base variety. Cole Carrig, very good. He has moved up the list. Uh, Sammy Stafura is someone I moved down. And I know some people, the, the comps that were thrown at him were, who was it? It was Volpe. He's way rawer than Volpe. Uh, he did just hit his first homer, but he only has two hits out here in complex. He's hitting sub 100. Pitch recognition doesn't look like it's there. I saw him versus the Dodgers and it was gross. It was, I mean, it's a young kid, 18 year old kid, but it just didn't look good. So for him to be like a top 25 guy, are the tools there? Yeah, but I don't think they're I don't think they shine more than Cooper Pratt. I don't think they shine more than Cole Kerrig. So I've made the stance that I've moved Stafford it down quite a bit. Uh, I already talked to you about Patonti. Uh, the last one I will tell you that it made a nice little move up, but I already had high, is Homer Bush. Homer Bush with the San Diego Padres played with GCU. Now he's a college kid, so you got to be careful about that because he was dominating out here in complex. But in that domination... He had seven, uh, 10 stolen bases with two homers, three doubles in 12 games. He moved up to A ball. He's only had two games played, uh, but he's already got two more stolen bases. He's not hitting as well, but he's a stolen base monster. He's a athlete, really athletic guy. His dad, Homer Bush, a former, I think, Cowboys linebacker. So there's a lot of athleticism in that family. He's pretty impressive. Steals bases like crazy. He's a guy to kind of bet on. I don't know if the contact power is ever... I mean, he's got power. I just don't know if he's ever going to hit for a lot, but he's going to steal a lot of bases. So we'll have to see which direction he goes. Those are guys that made some significant moves as far as the first-year player goes on my ranks that you guys can check out. And like I said, the first-year player goes... I don't remember what I posted. I think I might have only posted 75 deep. I'm into the 90s right now, and I'll continue going. And there's lots of other movement. And there's lots of other movement to be had. I'm battling myself all the time, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a lot stronger after my personal looks of uh, Cooper Pratt and Gino, you know, Gino, I have as a second rounder as well. If you guys are wondering, Gino, you know, is one I'm struggling with is Gino versus Jacob Wilson. You know, Jacob Wilson is still just such a awesome contact hitter, but I just don't know what else is there. I don't think there's much else there. And I just don't know what that value on points league. I think that's a little bit more valuable. Um, but I'm just not here for it. So that's a guy that keeps falling, and Gino's a guy I think that can kind of move above. There are plenty of other players I'm not talking about. Dylan Head is somebody that moved up a little bit. I also kind of went high on him in the first place, so you can take a look at him. Bryce Matthews with Houston in the third round I really like. This will keep evolving, so if you guys want to 
continue following and make sure on the Patreon to look at the first year player. Okay. Now let's go and look at the overall, not first year player base, the overall ups, downs from the top 100 and even further. All right. Top 100 focus in here. Are the guys that moved up prospect one with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The top player... Though the least amount of movement, it was impactful though, was Ricky Tiedemann. I now only have two pitchers inside my top 35 overall prospects. And Tiedemann was one of them, but he was further down the list. I've now moved him back up to a very significant spot at 11, right near Paul Skeens, simply because the health. I've been very concerned about Tiedemann. Heard some concerning reports a couple, like a month or two back about where the arm might really be and how much he was set back. I mean, Tiedemann is still only at high A, which is a little bit of a concern. Tiedemann has been able to get himself up to double A this year, which is great. But the inning so far is 20 innings, which by the way, he is one of my lock of locks. I'll just tell you right now with the Arizona Fall League, 20 innings on the season. Are you kidding me? Yes. He's a hundred percent going to be in the Arizona Fall League. He'll probably finish out the regular season with 30 or 40. He can get another 30 or so in the fall league, which still will probably not equate to what he did in 2022 with 78. So I say all that to say him to be back out there is what was like critical for me. And I was worried that we might be, I don't know, we might be getting into Tommy John territory. Maybe, you know, maybe we still are. I don't know. There could be a concern there. But upon his return, he just went like right back to his old tricks. His two starts in July, he didn't give up a hit. Three innings, six strikeouts, no hits, one walk. He went three innings here at the beginning of August, and he gave up one hit, struck out nine. He's back to his stuff. That was my main concern why he wasn't higher. So he moved into one of the two primary uh, starting pitchers that I would focus on. So Tiedemann made a big move up. Probably one of the biggest, though I already had him pretty high. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to be relative to maybe where, like, you know, like Pipeline when they do this, or I think they're about to release their stuff, like this will be big for them. And there's some others that are probably going to beat me on how high he is. But Sebastian Walcott, I moved up a good 30 spot, or I'm sorry, no, 80 spots. This actually is the number one, now that I'm looking at it, into the top 35. He's a top 35 prospect now. He has cooled. Just want to point that out. I have little concerns about Walcott. The reason we're pushing him up, A, the value is through the roof. The buy value, if someone has him outside the top 75, it's a smashing buy. And his skill set's insane. Seven homers in 38 games in complex. Add that with 13 more extra base hits. So that's 20 of his 39 hits are extra base. He's stolen 11 bases. He's got a 517 slug. 360 OBP is okay. 265 batting average. He is very much fallen down. So don't get that twisted. Part of the reason, he's still the big swing and miss guy. And I, it's not quite being factored in in some of the conversations. I have seen, I said this, I, I think the last show, he's been kind of James Woody to me. Every time I see him, he stinks. 
And then I just saw him the other day, and he absolutely just cranked and turned on a homer. Uh, it doesn't take away that I see some very worrisome signs of uh, swing and miss. That's not going to change for me. I think you need to pay attention to that. But in the same respect of like the Ellie De La Cruz's and stuff, this guy's like 18 years old. He's 17. He's actually 17 years old. He's going to be 17 this whole year. Moving from Dominican Summer League to Complex, hitting well, being one of the more prolific home run hitters in Complex. And this is like a first full season. I mean, let me look. I think it's 147 at-bats. He'll probably push, you know, close to 175, 200. That's a big, tall task. And to see that, you know, he's going to push double-digit homers and stolen bases, I see the talent is there. He's huge, six foot three, six foot four. Um, the pitch recognition I haven't seen turn a whole bunch, and I think that's why he's struggling because he's not getting fastballs as much anymore. I saw him just get tanked with sliders recently, and the pitch he turned on I think was a fastball, and he just clunk, and he can barrel it up. But he is insane talent, still some rawness, top thirty-five. It's a guy you got to bet on. Another one getting a thirty-spot uh, boost. It's funny, it's actually someone in the comments on Patreon some time back was like, do you think you're undervaluing Blaze Jordan? And I was like, that's an interesting question. I don't, I didn't feel I was, but I guess the rank could be representative of that. Blaze so far on the year hitting 306, 16 homers, two stolen bases. What's impressive? 20 year old, double A, he's been doing it. Also know he's been playing a lot more third base in there. Uh, High A, he hit 324. He's struggling a bit at double A. But still hitting 244. Strikeouts are not an insane problem whatsoever for him, which is a big key here. He's got huge immense power. He's still learning to be a better hitter. 29, uh, 29% hard hit percentage, which is pretty solid. He's kind of open spread the field, according to Rotowire. He's pulling less than he's uh, topping center hits. So he's just kind of like an even spread. So you take that with a guy who's 14% strikeout rate, 300 average, with 30 plus power, when he starts pulling the ball a little bit more, he's going to become even more dangerous. So Blaze Jordan on his way up, moved up 30 spots. Uh, these other guys, these are kind of all in the back end of the 90s. They made big moves, but I wanted to point all of them out because I have, what is this? Six new players that represent the 90s for me. Ivan Melendez, number one. I think some people are still not in on him. I guess I get it. The strikeouts are a problem, but the guy has 27 homers in 300 at bats <laughs> this year. It's I don't know. I don't know what you want. This is exactly who he is. He got better. No shock in the Texas League, but he got better going to Double A. He's hitting 309 where he hit 270. A couple base steals. Okay, that's fine. But in Triple A, he's got a seven or Double A. He's got a 700 slug, thousand OPS, big homers. He's one of the big, big power bats who, you know, maybe his cap is going to be like CJ Cron, but he could be a 35 home run hitter. So I moved him up. I know this one, I almost don't want to talk about this one because I feel like I'm holding back. Based on his stats, this guy deserves to be a top 25 guy. I'll relent. Top 50 if you want to get it. I haven't pushed him here yet just because I'm not like 100% sold, but you can't deny what he's done. It's Tyler Black. I got him in the 90s. I know that's probably going to like annoy people, whatever. 14 homers, 47 stolen bases. He is hitting 269. Uh, double A, he destroyed. Uh, he's been a couple games in triple A, hasn't been so good. So I'm like acknowledging that, but I still think, and OBP is great, by the way. He had 63 stolen bases so far this year. Almost more stolen bases than strikeouts, which creates a great floor. Almost a 3-4-5 slash guy. Uh, lots of extra base hits. 
just in seeing him, I don't know if I ever saw, I don't, I didn't see an elite player. Not saying he won't because boy, is he taking huge steps up, but I'm a little hesitant. So I guess I'm going to be kind of behind on him. And I guess I probably view him as maybe a sell if people see him as a top 25 prospect. His stats warrant it though. So I, I'll relent to that. So maybe I'm just really low on him. Uh, Roman Anthony. You see a lot of Roman Anthony on the, there's a lot of Boston Red Sox prospect people that are out there. Batting average hasn't caught up, but he's got hundred about 150 point differential between his average and OBP. He's double digit homers and stolen bases, 12 to 13. He's moved two levels. He's up to high A right now where he's hitting even better than he was in A ball. And the impact of his bat seems like it's in a really good spot. Feels like a 25-15 guy, average whichever way it can go. Um, and these are, again, these are all guys that jumped into the 90s. Anywhere from 30 to 70 spots they jumped up. Roderick Arias with the uh, the Yankees is another one of those. 17 stolen bases, 6 homers, hitting 267 with a 429 OBP in complex ball. This is a guy that I don't visibly get to see because he's in Florida, but these are huge numbers. He almost has more walks and strikeouts, and his strikeouts are not insane. You know what I'm saying? I think it's like he's literally 101 at bats, 29 strikeouts. So you can do the math there. It's getting up there, but there's lots of walks, 500 slug powers there. He's got an absolutely gorgeous swing. These are the type of international guys I like to make the bets on. Uh, the other two that moved up a decent amount, Jordan Beck with the Colorado Rockies, Rockies hitters in general that find success. I got Sterling, um, Sterling Thompson in there. 279, 23 homers, 12 stolen bases. He's at double A. He's a huge, big physical presence. That's a guy that's hard to deny. He's moved four levels in two years. He's knocking on the door. Triple A has been a double A has been a little bit of a push, but categorically he's been there. And Robbie Snelling. Robbie Snelling, I moved past Dylan Lesko. He has been insane. He's actually number 100. He's got a 179 ERA, 17 starts this year, a 1.06 whip. Love me some Robbie Snelling. He's up at high A. He's got a 2-2 ERA there. Love to see him get to double A, but he's only 19 years old. So we're not pushing it too much. Robbie Snelling rounded out. Those were the big top 100 risers. Who fell? Colton Kowser. I was a little gung-ho about Colton Kowser, apparently. Offense is not quite there. Yes, he hit 330. Only 10 homers in AAA. He's hit 117 in the majors. Nothing to write him off about. I just had him too high. So that was what this was about. Same thing with Drew Jones. I mentioned it earlier. Drew Jones is one of the guys I have to kind of signify here that he did fall down. Everything I said before... It's also capped with a 179 batting average. It's not good. So you really want to see some consistent improvement. And that's also what we haven't seen here. Like I told you about all the stuff, but then like the next day he goes 0 for 3, which I didn't even tell you guys in that game too, by the way, that game I was at, it got called because the electricity went out. I've never, never seen this happen in complex. I saw the manager for the Dodgers start freaking out in the fifth. And I was like, what's he? I couldn't understand what was happening. He was yelling at the umps. And then I heard him say, my guys can't see a damn thing. And I was like, oh. And I looked up and I was like, oh yeah, the lights aren't coming on. And it was getting dusk. And then we sat there for an hour 15 until it was pitch black dark. Players are sitting on the field, rolling baseballs, laughing, being kids or whatever. And then they finally called the game. So that's how that ended for Drew. But then the next day he played, he was 0 for 3 again. So it's like, he got we got to stack some consistency on there. Um He's dang, it's dang, it is dangerous. You know, his value is dropping. I want to be a buyer, but even though I have him at 29, I couldn't buy him anything inside the top 50. Like, you got to give me a big discount. I'm projecting here. 
but I got to give a big discount even though where I'm ranking. Uh, three other players inside the top 100 that had falls. Tyler Soderstrom was, this is kind of a product of me boosting him up with uh, a lot of the big homers and getting playing time early as a 21-year-old. It hasn't been good in the majors. He has one homer hitting 161. That doesn't mean he'll be awful. That's the thing everyone needs to remember. But where I had him, he needed to move down. I moved him like 30 spots down outside the top 30. Still believe that this could be the guy, but I do think his strikeouts and lack of consistent contact are starting to play, though he's a 25-plus homer hitter easy. Uh, Dalton Rushing would be another one of those. Again, I get excited about these big power guys, especially as catchers, but he's only hitting 221. He's got nine homers on the year. And offensively, he's just taken a step back, especially going to high A. He only hit uh, in August. He actually doesn't have a hit in August in 21 at-bats. He hit 179 in July over 56 at-bats. So, you know, that is two really poor months. It's just more reflective, I think, of my own personal value. And then the final one, though I think there is some optimism with this one, was Cam Collier. I've slowly can, been kind of moving him down. He's the reluctant. You know, I think me being reluctant on Tamar Johnson was good because he's starting to pull back. And instead of having to make all these big swings, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to believe that I'm still here. Um, I kind of try to do that with Collier. It's been a lot more extended bad. But in the month of August, he's hitting 400. So he's back on it. Strikeouts kind of keeping low-ish. He's walking a little bit. Um, that's a huge sign for him. He, he's going to walk out of this as just a bad year no matter what. The counting stats stink. He's got 300 at-bats with four homers and three stolen bases. But he's probably younger than 70% of the guys that were just drafted in the MLB draft. If you remember, he had reclassified to be in last year's draft. So technically, he would have been a draft prospect for this year. I don't want to kill him for it. I would love a hot start to the end. I have a feeling I'm going to be very loudly by Cam Collier in the offseason once you've got that full season run through. But I have to acknowledge the drop down. None of those guys dropped outside the top 100. They stayed, but there were some 30 spot differences, specifically uh, Collier and Soderstrom. Movement outside the top 100. So these are like 100 to 200 guys. Jared Jones got one of the biggest boosts. Again, another one of those guys you could probably justify being even higher. 3-3-1 ERA. Strikeouts have been good. Stuff plus numbers have popped. I know Eno is very excited about him, uh, but I think he's still volatile. He's got a 4.5 ERA in AAA. Eh, AAA, no, you know, no big crazy shock or anything like that. I want to see the command uh, maintain. He holds pretty high whips, which I think is going to put him in a kind of a dangerous spot. He's kind of um, uh, Hurston Waldrip. You know, like there's good stuff, but we need consistency we need command and i think if not you have to build in like because i think people you get tunnel vision sometimes you're like oh well these guys it's stuff plus it's all great well he walked five in his last start struck out seven but he walked five the positive is he's gone essentially five straight starts without giving up four earned runs but he has given up at least two earned runs in it looks like every start but one since june 20th so, you know, it's a big fastball. There's fun stuff. I like him more than Quinn Priester. I moved him up a bunch. Some people, you might justify having him higher. I've been a little bit weird with uh, pitchers in general, but he moved up. He was the biggest of these outside the top 100 movers. Uh, Ryan Clifford, another one of those, getting traded to the Mets. He's already kind of re-showing back off. He moved up 46 spots. I've got him just out, or just inside the top 150. 
But Ryan Clifford so far, 19 homers, four stolen bases with a 284 batting average. Even moving over to the Mets, things have been positive. That's a guy that needed to get a pretty big boost. I moved him around 46 spots. The other two outside that are moving up, we had Abimelec Ortiz with Texas first baseman. He was at he was at low A, which um, was great. You know, he's I think a little bit aged out of it um, where he was when he was there. He had 307, seven homers, was really good. But going up to high A, 19 homers with a stolen base hitting 310. Relatively similar numbers across the board, like strikeouts and walks and everything like that. You'd love to see him get pushed, but now you're talking about a guy at high A at 21 years old, big body dude, big power that I think you can, I can buy into it more, especially that you've seen now two levels of the same stuff. I still think there's like swing and miss contact issues long-term, you know, he never hit, he had 226 and 233 the years prior to this. He's made some good changes. I don't know if I buy him as elite hitter. He's definitely one of the biggest risers this year for a lot of people. He's not like top 50. I, again, I don't know where other people have him, but he made a huge move to me. I still think there's like things to be concerned about, to watch for, but he's a player you should be picking up. And then the final in this, and the final one in this range, as far as the up, actually going here to complex league, it's Jason Churio, uh, Jackson's brother, who's hitting 357 with a 491 OBP, almost a thousand OPS. He has 17 stolen bases with a homer. 12 doubles, a triple. They're really, this is a true testament to a guy that his swing has generated more for like doubles power right now. It's a contact base. He, he'll hit across his body. He's not swinging up. This isn't like Roderick Arias has this attacky swing. There's probably better words for them, but I, I, I assume guys that can kind of get under their body with that bat speed, get the bat up into the air. Those are more like attack based swings. Jason's is not. Jason's is a contact approach. And contact approaches sometimes will come across your body. You'll punch it to opposite field. You'll swing across to hit it up center. You're just not trying to hit homers. And Jason is not trying to hit homers. The worrisome problem is you're now two. I guess it's not that worrisome, but 74 games in your career, you have two homers, 261 batting average. The positive is you've almost doubled your double rate from DSL to complex league this year. You're absolutely dominating from a hitting standpoint and you're walking more than you're striking out. So he is not his brother, which I think is the key, but he's really good. He's good in different ways. And I think that's the thing we're going to have to get our heads through. Jackson's going to hit 30 homers, but Churio might steal 30 bases and be, you know, he might be a 10 30 guy while hitting 300 where Churio might be a 275 you know, 35, 10 guy, something, you know, whatever you want to start building it into. Jason Churio has got to be on much bigger radars. And I'm actually surprised he hasn't moved out of this range and been sent up uh, to a ball. But that's another guy that made a big move up. The one guy that moved down, we didn't want to move down, but we had to, especially because I thought this is going to be a guy that was going to pop this year. Good age to level, you know, single a 19 year old. It just never clicked in a dominant way this year. He's walked 40 in 63 at-bats. He struck out one less batter than innings pitched. He's not giving up homers. Guy's actually given up only five career home runs in 108 uh, innings pitched, which is great. But he's pitching to a ton more contact. Last year in the minors, 179. This year, 241 over 17 starts. He's just not going deep into games. His stuff isn't popping at an elite level. 
So he moved outside of the top 100 finally, even though I, I think the, the upside is like a top 50 SP. This wasn't any, this is, this wasn't the development we were looking for. So he had to move back, especially there's been a lot of other pitchers, even if the ERAs aren't great that are, um, you know, better strikeout pitchers. Also, there's like the nationals development and stuff, but that was the one major impact. There are plenty of other guys that moved down, but that was like the biggest, most impactful one. And then finally on the list, we're talking about players outside of my top 200 that made big old moves up. And this is to say that these might've been, this might be a guy that was in the 400s that moved up into the 200s or, you know, a guy that was like 380 that moved up right into like the 220s or something like that. Leading the pack was Jacob Melton, who is in, it's in a, just an impressive line of what the Astros have done. I'm not sure the Astros are littered with elite talent, especially after they moved Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, but Zach Desenzo, uh, Kennedy Corona, and Jacob Melton. Jacob Melton is actually categorically maybe had the biggest impact. He has been doing it at lower levels though. 18 homers, 40 stolen bases, super impressive. It's all been at high A though. Not trying to discount it. You know, some people, okay, just let's move up. Like I think you've done, you've done your work, except here's the thing. Why you ask yourself, so why hasn't he been brought up? Well, you're also hitting under 250. This is a 22 year old you know, college outfielder who's at high A. Beginning of the season, that might be good. Yes, he is making big impact uh, counting stat-wise, but the batting average is still low. So I think that's what puts the question into him being like, oh, man, categorically, this is a top 100 prospect. It's like, well, the average has gotten worse than last year. The strikeouts, it's around 25% somewhere in there. You know, he's walking a decent amount, uh, but you know, there's still improvements to be made. I acknowledge the categories that we should be boosting him up for while building in this is still a strikeout contact risk who's doing it at high eight. Be very telling of what he looks like at uh, at double A. But I don't think we're going to get that this year. Maybe we'll get him in the AFL, but he's one of the biggest risers uh, out, outside of that top um, 200. This has been one of my favorites from the draft class, but he had Tommy John surgery last, I think it was prior to last year, before, before the draft. And this is a reason that he fell. I really like this guy. Looks like he's got four games pitched back. It's Hunter Barco. Hunter Barco looked looked like an ace at Florida before he ended. He was actually kind of like this average pitcher to me when he was like a freshman, but he really seemed to change his arsenal. It, it had Logan Gilbert vibes about how he was throwing four different pitches. I don't know if any of them were insanely dominant, but he just had this control and he was able to throw them at will. Well, he pitched one game in, uh, or three games in complex. Two were started one was, I think, in a version of relief. He struck out nine, walked two in seven and two thirds, a .78 whip, which is pretty solid. He's had one game in A ball where he only went uh, two thirds of an inning, struck out two, walked two. He's building back up. There's there's a there's going to be a long process to build back up. But I'm a Hunter Barco fan, so him healthy, getting out there and pitching made me move him back up. And he's a guy I think that's kind of sitting back in the wings for a lot of people. He had an over 100, uh, 100 spot uh, rise. Another guy is Caden Dana with the Angels, another 100 point rise up. This is uh, surprisingly, you know, he's 19 years old. So in the Angel system, I'm surprised he's not playing in the majors. He's at high A, 19, six foot four, impressive looking guy, three and a half ERA in 14 starts. He struck out everybody, 89 over 68. He's got an under one, two whip so far this year, which I'm looking at very positively. And I like his arsenal. Caden Dana is someone, one of those cheap pitchers you're kind of looking to invest in early. So I gave him a big boost. Him and Hunter Barker, I think I actually have next to each. 
And then the other 100 boost guy, this is actually kind of a Jeff Pont special because I'll have these guys. Actually, I mentioned earlier, I have one of those guys that I think I need to get on my list, but I'm like, I don't know if I want to push. I don't want to find, I want to push into anything. And then you just get some info and Ponce really pushed this guy up. Jairo Iriarty with the uh, Padres, who's in double A 21, got a sub three ERA, 21 games pitch, 15 started, 92 strikeouts. Whip is a little bit up there, a little bit walk heavy, but he's got electric stuff. And I want to say it was that slider, which is ridiculous. Um, that's another one of those guys. This, this group of the Danas, the Barcos, the Iriartys. These are the guys I get on like my major watch list, maybe even pickup watch list in those outside the top 200. If you got like 300, 400 prospects, I would be absolutely targeting these guys. And I boosted them up a decent. The hitter in this range, Samuel Basalo, we said high A, one of the youngest players too. This is like a almost Ethan Salas special. He's hitting 285 with 12 homers, seven stolen bases. You know, in respect to what Ethan Salas is doing and acknowledging the talent, probably deserves to be higher than this. And that's something I will really start to dig into at the back half of this year. I don't think it'll be top 100. I have, I, it just, it's like my bias. I have personal looks of solace. Um, you know, seeing him in person, kind of really scouting the video even more, but solace someone I need to do more in the off season, but seven stolen bases, 12 homers as a rookie through two levels, age to level. You, you can't deny it. You know, strikeouts a little bit heavy, but walks are there a 475 slug. Uh, and almost you know, eight and a half OPS. These are great numbers for his age. It's kind of the same. I'm even seeing my own bias. Like I have like Nelson Rada up high. You have Luis Lara up high. Like Basalo deserves to be up there. So that it is something I'm considering. So I gave him a big boost by season's end. I could definitely see him pushing that top 150 range as one of the big guys, but he had a huge boost in the rank update. The two biggest falls though, uh, Frank Mazzucato, who I was really thought turned a corner had him at the top 100, and it has completely fallen apart. Injuries, walks are going through the roof. Command completely disappeared. We've kind of seen this with the Royals. Um, I think he could be an elite strikeout option, but he's becoming way more volatile. I really tanked him. And the big L for me on Yasser Mercedes, which is kind of a bummer. Yasser has had um, really a horrid stateside look. It, I think he's missed some time. He's got 25 games. It's only 25 games, so acknowledge that. Four homers, six stolen bases, not the worst, but he's hitting sub 200. He's got an under 250 OBP. Those are garbage numbers. Absolutely garbage numbers. Strikeout um, rate isn't anything that we have to pinpoint as a major worry, but he's not walking. He's not getting extra base hits. He has nine extra base hits. I guess relative to his hits, they're up there, but we're not seeing that like high-end power, elite speed, elite athlete making consistent contact. It's the opposite. He's not making any of the contact and he's showing some worrisome stuff. So I had to tank him and that's a big tank on the ranks. There's a ton more that are on there as well. So you guys can make sure to uh, sign up, check out the list. These were guys that I highlighted the ups and the downs that I thought were significant, but believe me, there's more, you know, there's, there's more on the list. There's more that are in my head. There's more that need to be acknowledged. And we're coming into the final month of the season of the minor league season, at least. And then we're going to have a finality to it. That finality is going to create some really fun stuff. I think that's when we're going to target the uh, P180Ps. We're going to get AFL stuff. We're going to have time to decompress on a full season of ball. And I plan. I have some some cool things I'm working on for the uh, the off season to start attaching to some of this stuff, as well as 
more expansive write-ups. That's something that I haven't really done in the past. That's something that's going to be coming to the Patreon. I know some people want that. I got to figure out how to incorporate it on the list because it's like a Google Excel sheet. So it's a little different, but uh, that is going to be something you're going to be seeing in the off season, more expansive write-up lists for some of these prospects, but uh, you can go get the list right now if you guys want to check it out. So hopefully you guys dug that conversation on the ranks, help you get some names brewing that you guys can go back and take a look on. And like I said, you can just cross-reference them on this sheet and uh, in the off season, do a whole lot more. Speaking of Arizona Fall League, by the way, I kind of teased that there was something. Well, it's something that a lot of you would know if you were paying attention. We don't have the rosters yet. I have been behind the scenes poking around, looking, asking some questions, trying to start to decode who I think is going to be out here. I might do it next week, at worst the week after. I am going to do my prediction show for the AFL. I know not. it's not... What I might do is I might attach it to a guest. So we can have a guest, we talk a whole bunch, and then I can, for the people that want to tune out, they can. It is important and it is interesting because... You know, the players that are going to be here, we see the clocks. I mean, look at Lawrence Butler. You know, Lawrence Butler was a guy that really wasn't a huge radar player for the AFL. For anyone going into the AFL last year, it was more about Denzel Clark. And he's now in the majors by the A. I mean, that, whether even if guys are at high A, the complex league sets a different precedent for players that can be traded, for players that are ready. You know, Zach Geloff shined in the, uh, in the AFL last year, and look at him now. You know, so the it really it really can be a telling sign of the players that you are going to see in the majors next year. If you want to start playing that predicted game, it's not one for one. We didn't have Tanner Bybee, we didn't have Bryce Miller, we didn't have Gavin Williams. Really, pitching is not the t- the tell sign, but the hitting is, and we see a lot of those players. The other side of it is getting to see players that are going to play with other guys, and I always find that fascinating. If you happen to be coming out here to Arizona. I would love to meet you and talk with you, but these, uh, you know, these players are players we're going to be talking about in the offseason, and will also have inherent boosts. But the thing to tell you about is they did announce the baseball teams that will be a part of specific clubs. So in the AFL, there are six teams. They're all locally Arizona city based. Glendale Desert Dogs. That is the home of the White Sox and Dodgers. We know the White Sox and Dodgers prospects will play with them. There's the Mesa Solar Sox. That is where the first pitch is going to be, by the way. That is the home of the Cubs, and the A's are near there. They'll always be with them. There's the Peoria Javelinas, which is a pig, by the way, of Javelina. That is the home of the Padres and the Mariners. They will be with that team. The Salt River Rafters, that is the home of the Diamondbacks and Rockies. They will be there. The Scottsdale Scorpions, that is the Giants' home ballpark. And the Surprise Saguaros, where I am. That is the home of the Royals and Rangers. We already know that those teams will be there, but they announced the affiliated teams that will be playing. So um, with the Glendale team, the Dodgers and White Sox will also have prospects from the Red Sox, the Twins, and the Mets. So you can start to speculate. What if the Mets brought out Luis Angel Acuna or Drew Gilbert? Very likely one of those guys could be here. Red Sox, maybe Chase Medroth would be one of those players. Uh, Rafaela. Both those guys could be here, and they would be playing with White Sox and Dodgers players. You know, my guess, probably Colson Montgomery, maybe a Jake Eater, those type of players. I will start speculating. The Mesa team, A's and Cubs will be joined by the Orioles, the A's, I'm sorry, the Orioles, the Astros, and the Yankees. So that's big, especially if Jackson Holiday's here. So you're going to have Jackson Holiday. What if you had Pete Crow Armstrong? 
Yankees. Who are they going to send out? So that is going to be an insane place to be. Uh, the Peoria team is going to have, with the Mariners and Padres, the Rays, the Marlins, and the Guardians. That one's fun because I think Manzardo is a lock. He'll be with the Guardians. That'll be on the same team as the Rays, so he'll have a familiarity uh, if he wants to play. He's got the you know the personal issues he's going on with. If he wants to be there, the Rays prospects would be there as well. Marlins, Max Meyer, I think, is going to be here. There could be some really fun pitchers that are in that one. That'll be Peoria. The Salt River team with the Diamondbacks and Rockies will have the Braves, Tigers, and Pirates. I want to say Tigers have like always been there. Um, we'll see. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, off the top of my head, I'm not like envisioning who the Braves. The Braves are a pretty poor system. The Tigers, there's a million things they could do. One of which is not Max Clark, if someone's wondering. So that team might actually not be as exciting as usual. I have no idea what the Diamondbacks would do. I really don't. I, I think some people might ask Drew Jones. Eh, maybe if they want a playing time, but I think he's way too young for the level. The Scottsdale Scorpions with the Giants will have the Phillies, the Angels, the Cardinals, and the Nationals. So you might see James Wood. Robert Hassel could be there. Cardinals have obviously got some guys. That could be a good one. And then locally here for me, the surprise team with the uh, Rangers and Royals will have the Brewers, the Reds, and the Blue Jays. So I'm not even 100%, again, trying to work through my head. The the Reds are so stacked at the lower levels. Kim Collier, Carlos Jorge, I don't think those guys are options. Maybe Edwin Arroyo would be a, an option. Brewers, you got some guys. Toronto Blue Jays, those are the team affiliations. So, you know, I will be reporting back on all these guys. If you happen to come out here, now you know where they're affiliated. Probably in the next episode, um, especially with a guest, I will give you my prediction show. And as always, we try to see how accurate I can be with these because they'll be announced pretty soon. It's going to be starting in October. These guys are done uh, early September. They got a couple weeks off. Some are going to Instructs and then they're going to ship off to the Arizona Fall League. So that has been announced. They're slowly kind of piecing some of that stuff out. So a little bit of Arizona Fall League news. The schedule is set. The team affiliations are set. Now we just need some players sprinkling around. And that'll start happening you know, probably in the next two weeks, agents will probably start finding out if players are. There's already been little tiny things. You know, Max Meyer is like the one we've heard of. Uh, Pete Crow would be an obvious, except he might make the majors. So that's those are stuff we're going to have to watch. So I'm excited about that, as you know. Uh, thank you again to Dennis Sidler for hooking me up uh, with becoming now best friends with Corbin Carroll. Uh, also, some cool products that he's got. If you guys don't want to wait on trying to ever win anything, go and check it out right now. Otherwise, I am going to have uh, hopefully some stuff to show you in some of the raffles and uh, some of the card breaks break this league i think is gonna i say this every single time but next week is the target for it so i'll be releasing that on the patreon so come and check us out in this league.com if you want to sign up access to all the stuff the things dynasty ranks those will be updated so hopefully i'll have you guys there that's it that's the episode for today talked about some prospects talked about some stuff and things find me on twitter if you want to follow the musings seeing a lot of these draft prospects trying to put out videos as much as possible and uh, be on the lookout as well. Patreon for uh, some Q&As and our Twitch for any prospect-related Twitch stuff I'm going to do, twitch.tv slash in this league. I love you all. Thank you so much for hanging with me. And I'll talk to you next time right here on Prospect One.